Your life is your greatest work of art, and it all relates back to the synchronicities. Welcome to Integrate Yourself, everybody. I'm your host, Allison Pillow, and you can find me at alisonpillow.com. You can find my book, Finally Thriving, there. That is your first introduction to what I do, what I offer, how I help my clients, and the process that I bring my students through in my Finally Thriving class. So if you're curious about that, pick up a copy of my book. I also have it available on audio book um, through Audible, as well as any other, um, all the other audiobook uh, resources out there. You can find that as well as um, anywhere you can find books. My book is available if you don't want to go to Amazon. So uh, I have another class coming up in August, August 21st. It's coming. So the next group, uh, it's going to be amazing. We're going to tap into our inner creativity, our inner wellness, our inner peace, all of these things, we're going to bring them together to bring true joy and be able to access that in our lives, live a heart-centered life where we don't have to be thinking in circles all the time and figuring things out. We can just be and experience the joy that is right in front of us in our lives. So um, sometimes we you know, we have conflict in our life that really shakes things up and it brings to our attention things that we could be working on within ourselves. And I'm seeing that a lot in people lately. Today happens to be uh, the 88 Lions Gate portal. Um, if you're familiar with astrology, this is an important day. It's an important activation day. So today, get some rest, sit back and receive the messages that you're meant to receive today, and also just get really clear today on what you want to create moving forward. And not only what, but how you want to do it. And that's another thing we go through in the Finally Thriving class is what is your process? Everybody has a unique creative process, whether you're creating your life, whether you're creating a project, whether you are a a leader or in the service industry or a coach, um, entrepreneur, all of those things take creative energy. And the more we're distracted by our lives of thinking and trying to figure things out, um, then it really takes us off our course of creating what we're here to create. And so by tapping into your inner play uh, your, your, the love that, you know, we're learning how to love ourselves through our self-care practice and our wellness practice and our wellness dates, prioritizing time with yourself, learning how your energy feels and then creating and cultivating that confidence within and that calmness within to really take on whatever life hands you. You can do this with grace and ease. And then that's how we can experience true thriving in our lives and get out of that survival mode. So that's what I help people do. We go through a 12-week course and coaching program where you have a live coaching session with me every week and you get one module every week to practice, to create your daily wellness practice with. We go through different things through, um, we, we start with the mind, then we learn how to connect naturally to our body 
and read the messages and listen to the messages our body tells us. And then we learn how to tune into our spirit. We create spiritual maturity um, and spiritual intelligence, which is something that uh, a lot of people are really curious about lately. And I'm really excited to share that, how you can do that. So um, today's show, we do talk about spiritual intelligence and we talk about intuition and we talk about ADHD. And it's something that is close to my heart because I've experienced this in my own life. So because I've experienced that, I've created a book and a program that helps people who are highly creative really direct this energy back into themselves and then shine the light for other people. You know, it's not about us saving other people. It's about us shining the light so they can be inspired to do the work themselves and to show up fully as themselves too. So for you to show up fully as yourself is the work. Um, So that's what we do. And if you want to join that program on August 21st, it starts then. So if you want to have another week for the special uh, wait list price that's discounted. Um, and then after that, it goes back to the regular price. So if you want to get in on that, go ahead and set up a free call with me by following the link on the show notes and we can get you signed up. All right. So today my guest is Robin, Dr. Robin McKay. She was an amazing guest and I did this, uh, recorded this podcast with her back in, uh, in the winter time. So this is why if you're looking at the YouTube video, I'm wearing a sweater and we're talking about snow and the cold and stuff. So <laughs> sometimes with these shows, um, I titrate them out to come out at a certain time, just, um, when, from my experience, when I intuitively know that it's the right time for people to hear these messages and this is the right time, because like I said, we are in a very big activation um, day energetically. And this is the time for you to create that courage, find that courage within yourself to really step out of what you've learned, what you've been programmed to do and start to honor yourself. This is the time. So um, so today we talk about um the gifts that we can find in ADHD and how that's related to highly creative people, which I thought was so interesting in this episode. Um, Robin shares also how she helps uh, people in the corporate sector who are undercover light workers and are doing this work, but not maybe not know it. And we talk about how to get out of the spiritual closet and back into spiritual maturity and becoming aligned. That's really how you become aligned with yourself. When you take in all aspects of your life and then you, you, you discover who you truly are, the truth of that. We talk about that today as well. And, uh, you know, the well, the, the well adjusted life, like we're so well adjusted. We're taking all this energy. It takes all this energy just to show up as someone we think people want us to be. And that's that perfection mode. That's that trying to fit in mode. And we, t- we address that today and how that can really stifle you um, from expanding out to where you really want to be in your life and, and creating the abundance you want in your life as well. Uh, becoming a leader as well, how that really blocks you from doing these things when we're not showing up fully as ourself, right? So we talk about all these things. This was a super super great show. And uh, Robin was such an incredible guest. And I, I really connected with her in this episode. And I'm actually 
I've actually signed up to do a consultation with her as well because I feel like her work is really important. So if you want to sign up with Robin and and do a consultation, um, the link is in the show notes as well. You can set up a call with her and check out her work and follow her too. So um, without further ado, it is my honor and my pleasure to introduce you to Dr. Robin McKay. Enjoy. Your life is your greatest work of art, and it all relates back to the synchronicities. Today, I'm here with a very special guest, Robin McKay. She's an award-winning psychologist, multi-six-figure entrepreneur, and an executive coach on top leaders in Fortune 500 companies and entertainment. Dr. McKay is also a leading expert in the new field of spiritual intelligence. She brings bridges, she builds bridges between reason and intuition, science and spirit, and her clients' heads and hearts. In her life outside the office, Robin loves hiking on the desert trails near her home in Scottsdale, Arizona, and climbing the Red Rocks of Sedona. Sounds like fun. Thank you so much, Robin, for coming on. I'm so excited to talk to you today. We're going to talk about some really fun and interesting topics. But um, before we get started, if you'd like to share anything uh, about kind of what led you to this work, because it's very interesting, as we'll talk about today, um, into bringing this, uh, you know, field of psychology more into a spiritual experience mm-hmm. with your clients. Like what what got you here? Self-care is finally a cultural phenomenon. The hashtag self-care has appeared on social media millions of times. So why aren't we applying it to our health and wellness? Instead, we beat ourselves up for not finding time to exercise, or we work out so hard that we suffer from joint and back pain. We struggle with diet, stress, and insomnia. That kind of health and wellness just isn't relaxing. It isn't joyful, and it definitely doesn't feel like self-care. Finally, Thriving invites wellness into your life in a whole new way, bringing genuine self-care to your health and wellness routine. Learn how true self-care actually helps your body regenerate. Discover quick, simple exercises that build strength and flexibility powerfully but gently with hidden treasures along the way journal prompts breathing exercises relaxing meditations and more merge your physical mental and spiritual wellness into one with finally thriving and embrace a self-care wellness routine that will nourish every aspect of your life if you want to pick up a copy of my book, Finally Thriving, head over to the link in my show notes. You can get it on Amazon. You can pick it up uh, as well on e- as an ebook or audiobook. It's available there too. And if you want to dive deeper with me, you can head over to my wait list link and join the wait list for the Finally Thriving program where we dive deeper into these aspects and learn more about ourselves. It's a three-month course and coaching program, and you get coaching from me every week. If you're ready to finally thrive, you can pick up a copy of my book or listen on audiobook, and this is going to take you through 
all the things, all the steps that I've brought my clients through and myself over 20 years of coaching, holistic health, wellness, and holistic healing. This is wisdom that will last you a lifetime. So follow the link on my show notes to pick up your copy of Finally Thriving so you can finally thrive. Sure. That's such a great question. And thanks for asking me. And I will not be hiking today on the trails near my house because it's it's not as cold as where you are, but it is a bit chilly down here. So we'll be staying tucked <laughs> in today. Sounds good. <laughs> so I'm a STEM girl. I'm a STEM girl from way back in the day. I got my first microscope when I was 10. And as only a 10-year-old girl can be, I was immensely disappointed with the light source. It was a mirror. And I just was disgusted by that. I was really quite insulted that that was the best that they could come out with, notwithstanding that it was the early eighties. And so, and I was a child raised by parents who were teachers. So like, okay, so there's so many things that were sideways with that, but eventually I did go on to major in biology and I worked in a biosafety level laboratory, biosafety level three laboratory for a couple of years early in my career. So I was working with microorganisms and I did get to work with high powered microscopes. So that met that need of my 10 year old self, who I suspect could see into the future even back then. So, but in addition to being a STEM girl, I've also been a clear channel and intuitive since I was, well, I just came in that way, I'll just say. And so, for example, when I was like five, I knew that I was going to be a doctor and write books. And um, I just would know things without really knowing why I knew them. I would know when I was having a pop quiz in math class. I had an essay completely download into my brain as I was walking from my study hall into the principal's office to write an essay for a scholarship. And um, that's just is kind of how I live my life. My family is intuitive as well. We didn't have any language for it though. When I was growing up, we just could kind of read each other's thoughts. We could have entire conversations just telepathically and no one would think anything of it. We would just, all of a sudden, one of us would blurt out, well, what about that guy? And everyone in the room would know what we were talking about. So I had all of these early experiences with my intuition just as a native part of who I was, but it wasn't until uh, I was probably 28, I had my quarter life crisis. When I looked around my life, I was married to my college sweetheart. We were living in Kansas City. I had a good life. I was working in, in biotech at the time, but I really had this kind of come to Jesus moment with myself where I was like, I don't think that this is where I'm supposed to be. I wasn't in grad school. I wasn't getting my PhD yet. It was just one of those existential moments where I was like, I think I'm living somebody else's life because this isn't what I had seen when I was a kid. So that really, that moment put me on this trajectory of leaving my college sweetheart, getting divorced, going back to school, getting my PhD in psychology and simultaneously doing a seven-year apprenticeship in spiritual intelligence and intuition. So I became, remember I said I was a STEM girl, why well, I became a social scientist. Psychology was actually the area that I could really sink my teeth into when it came to doing research and to kind of 
put a big bow on everything. A lot of the work that I do today, still, we can find the roots in it in who I am, how I grew up, how I came into this world, but also all of the work that I did in my graduate studies as well around gifted and talented girls and women, around the psychology of creativity, intelligence, and leadership. And I still use those tools and practices and even the lens through which I work with my clients is really founded in my graduate studies. And of course, the ADHD link as well. So I know you want to go into that. Maybe I'll just take a pause there and and see what comes up. Absolutely. Um, Yes. Um, Are you still there? Hold on a second. Robin? Are you still there? Okay. You froze for a second. All right. Uh, I was, it's my end. I definitely for that one. Um, So yes, definitely want to get into ADHD because I feel like, like, as I was telling you in the very beginning, I've definitely experienced that in my life, being Mm -hmm. a high performer as a gymnast and, you know, someone uh, uh, that I was interviewing not too long ago uh, brought this to my attention because she was a gymnast too. And she said, yeah, we can focus on things. We were taught to focus on things for a, a brief moment, very intensely, and then we're on to the next thing. And so it's kind of hard to, it's always been hard for me to stay consistent with one thing throughout my life. I always like to do different things, you know, and I guess that's where the creativity comes in. But it's it's good to know that other people are experiencing that too, because I used to beat myself up a whole bunch about it before when I was younger, thinking, oh my gosh, I can't get organized. I I, I you know, I could barely, mm-hmm. you know, keep it together. What's wrong with me? Why yeah. can't I why why are other kids able to do this and I'm not? Yeah. That is kind of the hallmark of the gifted ADHD girl in particular. You know, I'm Gen X and even the millennials, I think would say that they experience this too. A lot of us as children were overlooked. I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until I was in graduate school. And I was the one who initiated that diagnosis because I was in my internship and I was assessing students who had ADHD. And I started looking at the criteria and I was like, wait a minute, that's me. And then I took a quiz on WebMD. And that was like, then it was like, okay, I need to go go get a formal assessment for this. And so that to me was a turning point. Not everybody likes to identify as having that diagnosis, but for me, it explained so much of how I operated and functioned in the world up until that point. I was a high performer too. I ran track in college. Um, And I could do all of these things really well, but then I would let things drop off and I would forget about things. And my calendar was a mess and, you know, and people would label that as she's careless, she's messy. And I have an emotional regulation piece of that too. So I used to be a golfer in, um, in high school, I golfed on the the high school golf team and I was a pretty good golfer. But even that was an uneven performance because when I would get into a high stakes situation, my brain would literally freeze up and I would get, I would totally lose all of my focus. And, you know, then my game would go to 
to yeah. pot and you know, the rest of I've experienced that many times in my life. Like it's so I, weird. I, I said things that, you know, you know, but you freeze up and you just, yeah. you can't think of what to do, you know, it's so or just weird. even if you think about like for you as a gymnast, if you're on the beam, Mm-hmm. And you get distracted and then you fall, or how do you bounce back from the fall? I know that in gymnastics, there's so much uh, mental and psychological work that goes into the focus for that. But that even, that's a lot of effort and energy that somebody, a girl with ADHD, has to put forth in order to focus. But one of the gifts is we can hyper focus. Yes. As you know as well. Right. Wait, did you know something else? I want to share What's this that? with you. Well, when I started researching ADHD, I was simultaneously looking at the creative personality. And there's this woman who was my graduate school advisor's peer, like her colleague, Bonnie Craman. She was at the University of Georgia. And back in the like, like mid-90s, I think she published a, an article comparing the diagnostic criteria for ADHD and the characteristics of the creative personality. And do you want to know something? What's they're that? the same. They're the same. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. goodness. So depending on which lens you're looking through, am I looking at this as what's the problem or am I looking at what are the strengths? If you're looking at one or the other, you're missing a part of the puzzle that I think is really important, especially for high performers, which is it's a both and. And what I came to realize with that is that as when I was practicing in, as a psychologist working with, with high performers, with gifted kids and at the middle school level on up to the college level, when somebody would come in and say, I want an evaluation for ADHD, I would also say, yes, and we're also going to give a, an assessment for creativity because oh, yeah. chances are quite good that we're going to see both. I wanted to have the holistic picture. Too much of the time in this world, we pathologize and we make ourselves wrong for how our brains work when in fact, there are some gifts in that, that a lot of people, a lot of neurotypical people don't have access to that we do. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And actually, it's very cool to know because it's like, wow. Okay. Um, Because when you grow up like that. And, and the reason I was put in gymnastics was partly because I had ADHD. There wasn't medication back then, thank goodness. But uh, gymnastics was a way of helping me also, f- you know, focus. But yes, it took an intense amount of energy to do so. But it's also it is also really good to know that, uh, you know, because most of my life I thought my pro- my process was wrong or how I did things was wrong. I must like <laughs> learn how to do this, especially as an entrepreneur. You know, you hear yeah. all these other people doing these things like it seems so easy, but you're like, I can't do this. You know, this is not this is not the way I work. This is not my process. So I had to learn throughout the years what my process was and then honor that. And then I that's what I've been able to do. And I think it's important because not everybody's going to have the same process and oftentimes they don't, but it's good to know that there is some, uh, some level of higher creativity within all of this. It makes, it does make me feel good because it mm-hmm. makes me think, okay, well, th- there is a, there is a purpose for all of this, you know, and I find that I have um, much better productivity when I have support, like, 
people helping me and, and providing a little bit of structure for me to follow through with things, you know, um, that are creative that I want to create like this. You saw me playing the ukulele. I was, you know, talking about a practice that I do at home called vocal toning. And this is partly how that I've got an album coming out this Friday. So this is how that all came out. Right. So, but I had to have some people in there helping me structure Mm -hmm. it. I had all the ideas, the creative energy to make it happen. But as far as the structure goes, I need help with that. So that's kind of, that's an example of how I work and and how I work well. So I think it's a collaboration, you know? It is. And unfortunately, when we're young, so look at, let's look at the intersection of being gifted. And what I mean by being gifted is very, it's very clear cut, just on an intellectual level, being able to figure things out quickly, make sense of things and know what to do about them. The people who find their way to me often were identified as gifted and talented as kids or elevated into advanced classes, skipped grades. Before there was, in my day, we didn't have gate programs. We had, I got advanced reading classes and things like that. But when we have that level of intellectual processing speed available to us, and we have an underlying neurodiversity like ADHD, one of the things that bright girls will do is to mask their disabilities, not because we're being sneaky or manipulative or anything like that, but just because we can, we figure out workarounds because this is the brain that we have, and we're going to figure it out one way or the other. The challenge with that is that because we mask our disability, I'm calling it a disability, but you know what I mean? Like it can can really get in the way of, it really can get in the way of productivity and creativity even as we, as we, as we develop. But when we mask our, when we mask these symptoms, the challenge is that people then don't believe us when we say that we have it. Oh no, you just need to focus more. (laughs) Oh, Robin, you're just too sensitive. Well, I have, it's called, um, it's a new term, RDS, rejection, RSD, rejection sensitive dysphoria. And it's really like, it's a felt sensation of fear of fear of rejection. Like if somebody says no, there's (laughs) this literal, like, can you relate to this? Oh yeah. Like, this painful thing that you have to work through. It's actually a thing that I've seen more recently in the ADHD forums and social media. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. I did not know that. Okay. So I do relate to that. Yeah. (laughs) So we have worked with for a long time. Right. We work around them and, Oh, I'm just sensitive. And so I have to steal myself when I'm inviting people, like I'm teaching an Akashic records level one certification class in early March And one of my approaches is always to tune into my intuition and see who I see in that program and then reach out to them and invite them in. And you would think on the surface, that's a pretty simple protocol, right? You just invite people in. But when you have this, this, when you have ADHD, when you've got this kind of sensitivity to rejection, it's like, you know, a Sisyphusian task sometimes. So you have to work with the energies of that as well as as you're realizing this about yourself. So the point, I want to just go back to the masking just briefly, because this is something that unless and until we really acknowledge that this this is a thing that's going on in our brains, I think that when we're trying to 
fit in. I've, I've said this for a while now, when you're too well adjusted for your own good, it usually means you're masking something. You're deploying your intellectual resources to solve a problem internally without asking for help. You have mastered that in understanding that it is a collaboration and that you do provide the creative energy and the 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 uh, the flow of it but there are other people around it who hold the container for you to be able to produce something like an album and congratulations by the way thank you thank you so much that's so interesting too what you talked about the rejection factor because i just um i just assumed it was kind of what i learned as a child but i mean that could be part of it too but i didn't realize it was a part of adhd either um that's so interesting because i've been going through this i i do the same thing i will envision who i i uh, you know who would be in the class cuz i teach this class the um i also wrote a book which is called finally thriving and i do a group program with it um about 3 times a year and it's a 12 week coaching uh coaching and course program and it you know i always envision first who i would like to ask and invite into it and yeah sometimes people say no and i'm like you know it does i've gotten a lot better with this but at first like rejection was so hard for me and it still isn't great but i i would take it personally for so many years and um I just really had a hard time. I just assumed everybody kind of experienced it like that, but maybe not as much, you know, I don't. Not as much. Okay. One of the assessments that I give, the assessment that I give is the Neo five factor personality assessment. It is the gold standard of personality assessments. I can give it because of my credentials. And there is a, so personality exists on a normal distribution curve. So people who have a profound sensitivity to social exchanges have kind of even a social anxiety, I would say even there, most people score about average on that particular facet. And then there are those of us who are over on the tail of the curve who really have a deep sensitivity to those interactions and those exchanges. And yes, to your point, there is some societal, cultural, familial influences with these experiences, but we can map it pretty clearly on the personality profile to that, to that kind of sensitivity to social environments, being overly anxious Mm. about social exchanges and just having a general sense of anxiety as well on top of the ADHD can also contribute. So there are a lot of different influences that create the conditions for the expression of that sensitivity in your business to show up. Now, here's the thing. When you're also very bright, you can usually manage that pretty well. But literally right before I got on this podcast, I was on, I was just boxering with one of my, one of my mastermind buddies, Elise. And I was like, what do I do about this? I'm feeling, and and I'm filling this class and what am I going to do? And here's where I landed as I processed through it with her. Here's the trick. When you engage the energy of invitation first, when you just sit in the energy of invitation and you start sending out invitations, if I say, hey, to you, you should do this. You're invited. Even if you say no, it still activates the energy of invitation. And those people who are going to say yes are going to feel that vibration as well. So it's not just a one-to-one right. exchange. It's embodying the energetics of it 
which shift the perspective, doesn't it? So it's not about you saying yes or no. It's just as me being in the energy of invitation and how much that my brain just relaxed a whole lot when I, even when I was talking about that. Yeah. That's something I've been practicing too, but I didn't think of it like that. That is a great perspective. I love that because it's not personal. No. (laughs) Yeah. It's not. It's so interesting that you also have gone through that because you're working with a lot of corporations, you know, Mm -hmm. and that the corporate sector is very, (laughs) I would think very hard to deal with that. So how have you dealt with that in in that arena? Well, remember, I'm a STEM girl at heart. And so the the organizations that I work with are largely tech and biotech, right? So uh, I work with execs at Nike and Intel and, you know, all the, all the big fortune, even fortune 100 companies, Caterpillar and so on. And um, because I grew up with them, I went to an engineering college to, at the beginning of my education, I didn't major in engineering. I was one of the science majors, but I, I went there. So I grew up around engineers and I just feel like that particular set of people, I'm just one of the family. I'm different from them because I'm a psychologist. I'm not an engineer, but they're my people. So I, for whatever reason, when they know I'm quirky, they know I talk about intuition and energy. And that sometimes they're like, McKay, can we like not, they don't want to talk about emotions even, but what's changing in corporate. And one of the reasons why I work with spiritual entrepreneurs and transformational thought leaders around bringing their message into corporate is because there really is a call right now among the emotionally intelligent in the corporate space to do something different. They're tired of the grit, tenacity, and hard work. The last few years especially have just weighed down on people around there has to be a better way of working and living. You know, we've seen the great resignation and the quiet quitting. And now there's this wave of layoffs that's happening as well that people like you and me who are kind of wired for this, like we've already been through our transformation. We're on the other side of it. And we, a lot of times can speak their language. If you worked in corporate at all, you know, the language of corporate, you know, probably what it was like to be up at 3am emailing your boss about something that was due at 8am or whatever. Like there are all of these little nuances that the spiritual entrepreneurs have access to because of our previous experiences, working in a biosafety level two lab, working with the FDA later in my career, bringing a couple of new drugs to the market, like those kinds of things still are part of who I am. And I've integrated those. So I speak their language, but then I can take them beyond the way that they've been working in the past and into this next this next iteration of how we're actually meant to be working, which is a lot more creativity flow Guilt-free work, I think is a good way of saying it. Yeah. Optimism, hope, that kind of thing. And they're hungry for it. Wow, that's good to know. Be- yeah, I want to speak a little more to this this energy that's coming in because I've noticed it too. Mm-hmm. I've, and I've been talking to people about it for some time now. This is like a, we're, we're getting out of the striving, working ourselves to death energy into more of a, um, you know, creativity aspect, but also just showing up in your own energy being enough. Like you don't have to do anything else, right? It's just like so liberating. Also maybe scary for some people because we're used to doing, you Mm -hmm. know, 
And um, I would love to hear your your take on on what is happening energetically because we both we know that a lot is going on both astrologically and with the Schumann residence, the solar flares. Mm-hmm. We're getting all these the matrix downloads. All the things. Yeah, <laughs> all light, the things, in light yeah. worker language, you in know, light worker language. Yeah, that's exactly it. So yeah. me, this is great. I love talking about this because I've. I work regularly with the the leaders in tech. They'll hire me privately, even they don't even go through their organization. They just invest in themselves and their future because they know they want something different. And when I talk with them about this new way of living and working, innovation, creativity, flow, optimism, hope, all of those constructs that come out of really positive psychology, but it's also light worker language. They're in agreement with that, but they also have really strong programming around the grit, tenacity, hard work, busyness, productivity. Those are a couple of other big things. Some of them are internal. They come from family messages around work. In fact, one of my clients recently, she's um, she's getting ready to go on sabbatical. So she's offloading some of her projects and getting ready to do that. And she said the other day, she's felt this immense wave of, of guilt show up. And so we explored that. I always look at those emotions, not as problems to solve, but as invitations, invitation to deepen into something. And guilt, for example, would be an invitation to deeper into the truth of who you are and to look around and see what's not in alignment with the truth of who you are. So one of the things that as I was reading, you know, I'm a psychologist by training, so it's sort of through that lens, but I also read the Akashic Records. So I'm working in the energetics of my people as well who, who come in and sit with me. So I was looking at it and I, I really recognized that a lot of the, the energy around that guilt experience that she had was coming actually from the, I'll call it the corporate matrix the expectations that the the system has set up for the people to prove themselves, Mm -hmm. to be productive. You've seen the memes about like moving your mouse around on your screen so that somebody thinks you're working. Like exactly. Yeah. WTF even is that like, I don't, anyway, (laughs) it makes my eye twitch. So when we extract her from that, from being connected with that aspect of the corporate matrix. And if she's really feeling like 80% of that, that energy of guilt is coming externally from her, the expectations of the organization, not from her boss, who's very understanding and supportive, not from maybe a little bit from parents, like mom said, you know, if you're not busy, you're lazy, that kind of thing. But largely it was actually from the structure, the systems and structure in place within the corporate I'll call it entity. When you extract from there, then you can just be in that world, but not of it. And now you can make decisions based on your own personal sovereignty and the infinite field of possibilities rather than on this limited field of what, you know, the industrial complex says that you should be doing in any given moment on any given day. 
Yeah. You can Does that make a, sense? Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like what you're saying is you can be an observer and not participate in the program, mm-hmm. right? You can just see it for what it is because there, like you said, there's layers and layers of programming that we have in our society that many light workers and other people have been working on destabilizing, you know, and, and, yes. and, uh, and and then it's up to the person to realize and become aware of the program they're running on and and decide to make a different choice mm-hmm. and to to live a different way. So that's where the integration happens. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's something that you can't unknow. You can't exactly. when you start really discerning: is this me or is this outside of me? And if it's outside of me, then I don't. I can't process it. First of all. And I can make a choice to disconnect from it and do the right thing. And I said to her, she's actually, she's got a team who works for her. She recognized this first. She said, I have a responsibility to set a different tone for my team, to set a different example for my team. And even if I'm not saying I feel guilty about X, Y, and Z, my team will be able to sense that. That's how emotionally intelligent these engineers are. I'm not like- There, it's it's so cool to see this generation, especially the women engineers who are coming in, are so emotionally intelligent. Many many of them are actually highly intuitive, even if they don't identify that way. But they're recognizing that as they're learning to name what they're experiencing, and then seeing the influences trickling down into the into their the ranks which means that she's actually setting a tone for the future of leadership, even in the tech space. That's amazing. That's, Isn't that that's cool? That's what we need right now. Yeah. 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 That's powerful. Um, and that make, that gives me hope with the tech industry because I wasn't sure where that was going. And uh, I've talked to a few people and, and uh, tried to work with a few people in the past in the tech industry, and some of them just don't have um, uh, the emote, you know, the, it just didn't work mm-hmm. because that they, they weren't, um, able to really connect with themselves that way, you know? Um, but it's good to know that people are doing that. And then they're creating that awareness and, and emotional intelligence, like you're saying, um, with that. And I, I'm guessing that's where, where you're, um, bridging the gap with, you had, um, on here, you know, why are light workers and spiritual entrepreneurs well suited to serve the people in corporate? And it sounds like this is why, and Mm -hmm. it can be possible that people who are even in that industry are are working as spiritual or light people are, Uh, they're undercover. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I was too, at some point when I was early, still early in my in my career, when I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, after I had left the biosafety level three lab, I started in pharma as a medical writer and clinical scientist and doing that kind of work. But simultaneously, I was getting my PhD in psychology. And as any high achieving smart girl would do, you know, built a house and also studied spiritual intelligence for seven years, because why, you know, why not do all the things at once? And (laughs) so I would go to work and my my colleagues my scientist my neuroscientist colleagues my my pharmaceutical chemist colleagues would come to me and ask me for very human advice and ask for i was studying reiki at the time can i have a reiki treatment so even then while i was still 
in that space, I was still serving my my higher purpose, which is to anchor in light. I couldn't have probably articulated that at that way at the time, but I was really doing that work and also, you know, working my day job. So there are a lot of light workers who are still in the corporate space who are in the closet around their intuition, around the the fact that they're a light worker at all. But they're behind the scenes reading their oracle cards and studying astrology and studying human design and coming to you and coming to me and asking questions. And the barrier for them really is I don't want anybody to think I'm weird. That's what I used for a long time. Yeah. And then I was like, well, actually being weird isn't that bad. You know, it's, I read recently, (laughs) I don't know where I saw this, but there was a headline that what made you weird as a kid makes you great as an adult. Good. I love it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So, so part of the mission in me working with the light workers who really are meant to be back in the corporate space doing the kind of work that I do is that we have to get really comfortable with our own woo-ness and we have to stop tolerating the criticism about um, you're too touchy feely. We have to we have to insist that the language changes around emotional intelligence being an air quote soft skill. It's actually a capability that a small portion of the of the population has immense access to more than average people do. And when we stop nodding our heads along and you know soothing people's anxieties about touchy feely emotional intelligence or beyond intuition. Right. Akashic records. When we get real comfortable with that language and bring that into them, that gives them permission to do the same. Yeah. This has been several years ago. I was over at Honeywell doing a talk for the Society of Women Engineers. And one of my, I love her. She was one of my clients for a long time. And she actually brought me in. She was a she's a leader over there. And I did my talk, I think it was on burnout. And I used the word energy at some point. This was pre-COVID and it's probably 2018. And afterwards she came up to me and she's like, so you're using the energy word, huh? And I'm like, yes, I am. Another time I used, I was over at Intel doing a talk for another group of women engineer leaders. And I said, I was doing a meditation and suddenly I said, and breathe in love and grace. And I was like, shit, I just said that. And I'm like, no, I'm standing in that. And afterwards, a woman came up to me and she said, she said, you're intuitive, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I am. She said, I need to work with you. And she hired me and paid in full and away we went. So there is something when the people who are meant to work with us, who are in that space are going to see us because we're going to speak in somewhat code, but we have to be able to speak that other language as well in order to accommodate people who are still kind of behind the curve in terms of being able to speak the language or even recognizing that it's a, that it's a capability that is meant to be maximized. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like the energy that as we went through this energy shift, the past couple of years, especially, I feel like it catapulted a lot of people into this, whereas before they would have been a lot more off put by it mm-hmm. and now yeah. they're more open to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt uh, instantly more comfortable in my own skin talking about this stuff. Whereas before I was like in the spiritual closet for years as a trainer, mm-hmm. not really, you know, talking about health. And even like, sometimes I remember in my early years, even talking about organic food sounded crazy to people. And 
they were like, what? That is not <laughs> even a thing. I'm like, it is. <laughs> I promise. It's a thing. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> that like, organic is different conventional. <laughs> Trust me. And they're like, no, no way. They didn't believe me. And I was like, wow. Okay. So, and this was back before like organic was even well known mm-hmm. like it is. There was no whole foods, but, uh, yeah. And then, so I come to, you know, into this place in my life where I've been doing all these things for years, energy work and, um, you know, all these spiritual practices and, um, really diving deeply into wellness and how it bridges with, you know, the energetic and getting into energy healing and all those things too, over the years. And finally I'm like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm doing this. <laughs> I'm going to start just mm-hmm. outing myself and be mm-hmm. just just show people who I am because I was just so tired of hiding for so many years. I felt like that was hiding parts of myself. And, you know, granted, you know, you give, you you meet people where they're at. Yes, absolutely. And at the same time, like you were just describing Robin is sometimes you, you just, when you channel that energy in, you're going to say the right things to the right people. Mm -hmm. And then building that trust around that is also key is learning how it to is. trust yourself, right? It is. Yeah. From the time I was a little kid, my mom had this thing that she would say to me, can you just be yourself? And I didn't know what she meant by that. And I'm not sure that she did actually either because remember I was talking about that Neo personality profile. There's one aspect of personality that is called openness to experiences. And that's really the hallmark of the creative personality. It's highly imaginative, uh, has a love of beauty and aesthetics has a deep connection with her own emotions and the emotions of other people can read the room basically has a great sense of adventure challenges the status quo as a lifelong learner that's kind of the ha- that's kind of the the crux of that openness so how that looks when you're a kid is like i would i was fascinated by people from britain so anytime i would hear like a Brit, like sense and sensibility or i would pick up on the accent And then I would meet people and I would pick up on their accent. My best friend moved from South Dakota to Florida. And then suddenly she had a Floridian accent. And so then I would, when I was with her, I would sound like her. And my mom would always say, can you just be yourself? Well, what I didn't understand is that I had a, I had a very open personality that could just take that in. I was creative. So I could hear that my language centers were very active. And so I could just imitate even my French accent. My French accent is better than my French by far. Wow. So I say this, don't ask me to demonstrate though, because my I was going to say, what does a Floridian sound like? Because I, (laughs) well, you know, there was just lots of y'alls and, oh, yeah. Okay. Like like Georgia. I'm from Georgia. Georgia, Georgia, Florida. Yeah. She was in Tallahassee. So it was kind of that Georgia, Florida kind of situation. So, (laughs) but the being yourself, when I remember, I said a while ago, yeah. sometimes you're too well adjusted for your own good. When you can mask who you are, you, you become a chameleon or you become a shapeshifter. And that is a gift if you're going to be a spy, like in World War II, that's a really good skill to have. It's also highly protective when you have, we'll call it, I'm going to call it the witch wound around. Okay you know, maybe there was another timeline you were on that you were burned at the stake or, you know, tried as a witch and and drowned, you were found innocent and also dead. And so all of these 
experiences that women have had across lifetimes with our intuition, with our spiritual intelligence, with our healing capabilities that go beyond, you know, Western medicine, we, it would be natural for us to protect ourselves. But here's the thing is now there's never been a safer time for us to be fully ourselves. First of all, secondly, I was having this conversation, my guides, I'm a, so I'm a clear channel. So I, I have, I channel all kinds of work in the Akashic records. I channel my guides. And when I walk Cooper, my golden doodle, the guides speak to me through my voice. So I'm talking out loud during my, during my walk with Cooper. And the other day we were talking about dogs named Cooper. Cooper. I used to have a dog named Cooper. (laughs) Yeah. That's a whole nother story. I'll tell you how he got his name (laughs) if we have time. Um, so I, with my PhD in psychology being, raised academically by psychologists, I've still felt myself distance myself from the, from the psychology community, because I don't want them to think I'm crazy because I don't want them to judge me, whatever those stories are that we have about what people will think of us if we actually show up as ourselves. Yeah. And my guides reminded me of this. They said, Robin, how do you think if you went to your psychology friends, if you said, I'm a clear channel. What do you think they would say to you? And I said, well, they're trained to affirm my experience. First of all, if we're going to look at the DSM, the DSM would say that hallucinations, seeing things that other people can't see, hearing things that other people can't hear is, is really only a pathology if it's outside of a person's worldview. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. So if it's, so I was raised, um, charismatic Catholic. So laying on of hands, healings, those kinds of things were always in my field. They're part of my worldview. So if I'm having this experience of being a clear channel and having conversations with my guides who other people can't see, it's still in my worldview. Is this, I don't know why why we're talking about this. I just like, it's like a value that you have. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not crazy for me to do this. It's integrated. When I say I have a PhD in psychology and I'm a clear channel, that's me being integrated. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's balancing too, because a lot of people are want way over too far Mm -hmm. in the other direction. And uh, no, but every, everything you were talking about is just like, I feel like you're talking to me, Robin. Yes, I am talking to you because <laughs> you, if you look at the witch wound, if you look at like any time a woman, there is a lot of crazy making in this, in this world that we live in, let's be honest. And I learned a long time ago that there's a fine line between being psychic and being psychotic. Yes. I've thought about right? that too. Yeah. And if you look at the energetics of it, we have to ask the question, what are you channeling? So if you have diffuse, if you have diffuse boundaries, if your body is in bad shape, if you have, you know, unprocessed, unresolved trauma, if you've got a, a genetic predisposition for a bipolar disorder, like there are all of these things that would create the conditions for a psychosis to arise clinically. But if you have none of those things, if you're healthy, if your body is fortified, if you're eating your organic foods and, and having a, a, if you have a clear channel, the frequencies that you're going to be able to channel like you with your music are going to be high, clear, and sweet. Right. 
Because it's coming right. from a pure place. Exactly. It's coming yeah. from a pure place. But if your body is, is how do I want to say it? I was going to use the word dirty and I don't mean it like pig pen, but if you're Maybe not, dense, if you feel, yeah, if there's density, if yeah. there's holding on if emotions or mm-hmm. yeah. And even if you think about it, like I've gone through periods of anxiety and depression, I'm channeling that too. Everything yeah. is channeling through the field of anxiety and depression then. Right. And then I'm very capable of going down worst case scenarios into the bad neighborhoods of my mind. Right. Yeah. It, and it's, it's, it's a matter of becoming more of that observer in your life and just it, like yes. noticing it, you know, come through like, oh, okay, this is coming through. All right. Mm-hmm. You're not resisting against it. You're allowing it. And it's more of that feminine aspect of yourself that is, uh, you know, just letting yourself go with the flow of mm-hmm. the energy. And yes. um, that's how you become the clear channel and you continue to, you know, let go of that density as it mm-hmm. comes through because it's coming up for a reason, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it wants to be, it wants you to let it move through. Yeah. To transmute it, to alchemize it, to use it as an invitation. Yeah. Rather than being in the, you know, problem reaction solution triad, why don't we just look at if I'm feeling anxious, what is it an invitation to do? When I'm feeling bored or unchallenged, it's probably an invitation to contribute, to get creative, to change my energy up. Like those are the things. So it's the angle that we're looking at the experience from rather than pathologizing everything. So my point to to wrap that piece up about like, how can we shift things as light workers going into a more traditional corporate space is why don't we just own ourselves first? Yeah. And be super clear about who I am and super clear about what my mission is. And then it doesn't matter what you think about me or what I have to say. I'm a truth teller and I'm going to tell the truth. And the truth creates glitches in the matrix. Yes. Yes. And it's already happening. I mean, yes, it's interesting that I've, things I've noticed and heard people talk about is like, it's like that, um, the book, I've ever read the book, truth versus falsehood. You're going to see the falsehoods in everything or the truth of it, you know, immediately. Whereas before it might've been masked in a, in a lower density kind of dimension of reality that we were in before. Now the veil, like when they say the veil is getting thinner, that's because now you're going to be able to see the truth of what everything is. There's, there's no hiding it anymore. And so that's, I feel like what we're stepping into, right? Yes. That is, that's discernment. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between skepticism and discernment. Isn't there? Yeah. Skepticism actually, in my experience, will block, and even critical thinking will do this too, will block my lived experience. Skepticism, critical thinking outsources my inner knowing and says, but what do they think? What would she say? What would he say? What would that person say if they knew? That's the skepticism. The discernment is, this is my experience. Right. Yeah, it sounds like it, the discernment honors your experience. The skepticism is, is concerned with the judgment of others, right? So, yeah, and it gaslights your experience. There's <laughs> perspective. Exactly, exactly. It gaslights you. And then you yeah. can never really see things for what they are. You're always coming from this different lens, right, of mm-hmm. seeing it. 
And that's why the self-work is so important because we want to be able to come from a very pure perspective so that we can kind of come in with a more of a unconditional love for ourselves. And then you can spill that out to others. And so like for light workers, it, it, traditionally they've been like these warriors, these saviors, mm-hmm. you know, in, in our, in our, in, in the narrative. Right. But really, like you said, you're nailing it. Like they are not, it's it's about you showing up as yourself fully and it's purity. And, and then that spills on to others and then they are inspired. And then you don't have themselves. to rescue anything. Exactly. I've got my business coach is Jennifer Longmore and she is, she's a founder of Akashic Records system, soul journeys method. I've worked with her for five years. She comes out of um, forensic social work and now she's got, wow, you know, an eight figure business and just, she's quite remarkable in everything that she does. But one of the things that I learned from her over the past three years in this little COVID era that we've experienced, I call it the great awakening she yeah. said, you can be a life raft or you can be a lighthouse. And the difference is the angle. Are you going to still be in that victim, persecutor, rescuer triad? You know, Wonder Woman is always the hero. But when we position somebody like Wonder Woman or a light worker, one of us as the hero, there's always got to be a victim then. And there's always got to be a yeah. persecutor, a bully. Right. But when we shift from that kind of life raft scenario, the hero is the life raft into I'm going to be a clear signal. I'm going to be a clear channel. I'm going to be a lighthouse and a lighthouse just shines. Right. I love that. And if people don't like the, how bright the lighthouse is, put on some sunglasses, but don't dim your light because your job is to shine. And that's actually, I believe what the light workers, the light warriors, the light ambassadors are here for is to just shine. That shifts things more than anybody else. It gives other people permission and activations to shine as well. So in your upcoming launch of your album, like that's an opportunity for you to shine and for your light to be carried out across the, you know, across the field and to shift people in some way, the activations in your music, I sense are going to be very powerful for the people who are listening to the music. So everybody buy the, buy the album and listen. Thank you so much, Robin. (laughs) I feel that well, too. It's a little I'm bit serious. like that just surreal, came through. You know? That was channeled. Wow. You're welcome. No, ah, that was channeled. Those are activations. Us. No, those are activations that are coming That's through. What, what I kind was... of music is it? Oh, it's, <laughs> I don't it's, even know. It's, a, it's like a diff. it's like, uh, there, there's frequencies that are put that are in each, each song, but it has spoken word. It's my voice. And it's also some singing and, um, but different different songs have a different frequency. I'll send you the link if you want to check it out. Um you do. I, yeah. And it's uh that's what I feel like I'm going into is less of a I've been coaching for a long time and serving people that way, but I have like hide hid myself behind the coach role. And now I'm like, you know, I just feel like I've worked so much in my life. I just feel like being right now. I just feel like can we just be in each other's energy right now and enjoy that? You know, and that's, that's what I'm bringing to the table, like inspiring people through play. Like how can you, you know, do this channeling? Yeah. I mean, the things that you're channeling, I want to have you on my podcast. Okay. I would love becoming the channel. It's called becoming the channel. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of channeling this past year for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing when you can just be a clear vessel what comes through, it always surprises me. 
(laughs) That's how you know. That's how you know. Is it always surprises you? And so just to come back to this ADHD link, right? We have these brains that are unusual. We have these brains that are connected to higher levels of consciousness that have the capability of tuning in. One of my guides said, your brain, your nervous system is like a a radio antenna. And what frequency are you tuned to? Yeah. And so when you have, when you're a clear channel, you get to choose, what am I going to tune into today? Joy, creativity, the field of infinite possibilities. What am I tuning into today? And you just send up the signal and it's right there. Ah, that's, and it's so simple, right? It's just so amazing that we have access to that. (laughs) That's so simple. Yeah. So, yeah. So if, you know, if we were to give you the Neo, I would guess that you probably (laughs) score very high on openness. You're probably, you know, in a room of a hundred people or even a thousand people, one of the most open people in that space. And you probably, you know, the distractibility would probably show up as well, or the daydreaming would show up as well. It's not diagnostic for ADHD, but we can sure predict it based on how the personality is wired. And the reason that's important for for the those of us, who, those of you who are listening too, is that if you have ADHD and you haven't been assessed yet, or you don't know for sure what's the other side of that, the way to get at that in part is by looking at the personality as well and looking at what the strengths of the personality are and why you are the way you are. A lot of us are called to be channels. Yeah. So you're, you're saying what I hear you saying, Robin, is that people who have, who are channels are more likely to be ADHD. Is that I think what you're saying? so. I okay. think so. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. I never, I don't, I you know, the that. research I'm still a scientist and I'm like, okay, can I say that? And like, does the data bear it out? Well, the, the evidence that I've seen in all of the people who I've interviewed and tested around they identify as I'm intuitive, I'm a channel. Um, and I look at their personalities and then we ask about ADHD and those, those things seem to be linked. So wow, you have to have ADHD. Do you have to have ADHD in order to be a channel? Probably not, but there is a neurodiversity that I think you would find present also. And one of the keys is recognizing like if you're if you're feeling like you're too well adjusted for your own good, if you're masking some of these symptoms or some of your abilities, God forbid you mask your abilities, your capabilities, your gifts, because that's what you came here to share. And that's what needs to come forward now. And I'm glad you're sharing yours. Thank you. Well said. Ah, I love it. Thank you so much, Robin. If you would please leave my listeners with a way to find you, connect with you, whatever you're offering at the present moment as well. Yeah. So a couple of things, usually on podcasts, there's one or two people who just know that they're meant to work with me. And if you're one of those people, you start the process by booking a call, just a a consult with me. So you go to drrobinmckay.com forward slash call, and that takes you to my schedule. You just get on my calendar for that. I'm on Instagram, drdr.robinmckay. And TikTok is really surprising me with how fun it is to be over there. Okay, I'll so try I'm over it. Over on then. TikTok I've as been well. I'm avoiding it. <laughs> I know, but there's something I actually just posted on Are You Too Well Adjusted for Your Own Good? How to how to tell if you're too well adjusted for your own good. And it is, I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating when I say it's blowing up. I'm like, holy smokes. Like what even is this? 
<laughs> so it's been fun to connect with people who are raising their hands and saying, yeah, I am. Okay, I'm intuitive. Yeah. I'm smart. And I'm too well-adjusted for my own good. What do I do about that? So you can find me on either of those platforms. I'm on Facebook, of course. Uh, Becoming the Channel is my Facebook group. That's the that's the official home of the podcast. And you can find my podcast, Becoming the Channel, wherever you listen to those. So that's Amazing. it. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Robin. This has been an incredible show. and so amazing to connect with you. Thank you for all your insights and your wisdom that you shared today. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for coming. Mm, You're welcome. Thank you. I believe bliss is a spiritual experience and you can't find this without first learning how to play. Play. Make mistakes and have fun. 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 But it's hard to experience bliss until you've learned how to surrender to what you cannot control. It's more fun to roll with life most times and, of course, control what you can, but let go of what you cannot and hand that over to the universe or your higher self. 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 Our joy lies in the idea that many times life does not unfold the way we always expect or plan. But it does unfold the way that is right for each of us, giving us exactly what we need without losing anything. Oftentimes, the result is even better than what we could have ever imagined, ever imagined, ever imagined. Because we opened ourselves up to infinite possibility, possibility. Embracing the unknown in your life is like watching a good movie and waiting for the next clue as to what could come next with curiosity and excitement. Curiosity and excitement. Curiosity and excitement. Curiosity and What you discover along the way in your life is important. And it all relates back to you being able to see the beauty and bringing awareness to the synchronicities. synchronicities. Your life is your greatest work of art. We are all artists in that way. And you get to create your life any way you like. That's the fun part. And having fun, I believe, is a spiritual experience. 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 Your life is your greatest work of art. And it all relates back to the synchronicities. And having fun, I believe, is a spiritual experience. And it all relates back to the synchronicities. Your life is your greatest work of art, and it all relates back to the synchronicity.